And one of the things that we're going to be talking about right now is a change to WDET's lineup beginning next Monday, October 5th. You'll be hearing a brand new show on our airwaves. That show is 1A, a national conversation that looks at politics, policy, technology, and a bit of pop culture. It's hosted by Detroit native Jen White, a 20-year veteran of public media and a grad of Detroit's own Cast Tech and the University of Michigan. So excited to get her voice back on these airwaves. Culture Shift's Amanda LeClaire joins me live in studio to tell us more. Hello, Amanda. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Good afternoon. Uh, that's is right. We are all really excited to have 1A join our lineup. You're going to be hearing it at 11 a.m. and 9 p.m. every weekday beginning next Monday. And we want to celebrate having this really important show with a national perspective by getting to know 1A's host, Jen White, a little bit better. And she joins us right now. Good afternoon, Jen. Thanks for joining Culture Shift. Amanda, thanks for having me. Yeah. So first off, uh, it's been especially exciting to have 1A as part of our daily lineup uh, because not only is this a time when it's really important for all of us to be connected on a national level, but as the host and a Detroit native, you bring a different perspective to these conversations. Uh, Could you talk about your background and in what ways you think that growing up in Detroit has given you uh, a unique and important voice? Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) Unique, yes. Uh, Growing up in the Midwest and then moving into the news and into broadcasting, one thing I notice is that so often the stories that are being told are being told from either a West Coast or an East Coast perspective. And there's a whole lot of country in between those coasts. And the stories that need to be told from Detroit, from Chicago, where I was just before I came to D.C., um, from Minnesota, they're not told with the kind of nuance and the depth that they need. I think people have a sort of flat image of what happens in these cities um, and in these states. And I think growing up in a city like Detroit, I can help people better understand some of the complexity uh, of these places. It often gets glossed over, I think, in national media. What do you think an example of that would be? Oh, gosh. You know, I think a good example is the Flint water crisis. I was still in Michigan when that was unfolding. And what I noticed in the national coverage was there was just a lack of understanding about the decades of disinvestment in Flint that led to that moment. It was sort of treated as this thing that that happened. And isn't this a tragedy? It's like, well, this didn't happen overnight. It didn't lead up to this just in in this year when the event is actually happening, there are decades that led to this moment where you have a population that can't trust the water that's coming out of its pipe. So we've got to talk about why cities like Flint um, have been disinvested. We've got to talk about why a city like Flint has been racially segregated. We've got to talk about what that means in a city like Flint when you don't have the kind of investment and infrastructure uh, that it needs and and how all of those things are connected and lead to a tragedy like what we saw there. So that's just one example I can think of. Yeah, and I think that disinvestment in infrastructure is really uh, a huge problem, especially here in the Rust Belt. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, you are a very accomplished journalist uh, at our Chicago sister station, WBEZ. You hosted numerous talk shows and created the critically acclaimed podcast, Making Obama and Making Oprah. Uh, But I've heard that your first introduction and love for public media was sparked by a show that might not be what people expect. (laughs) What was that show and why did it capture your attention so much? 
Well, maybe it would be expected in, in Detroit. Um, my sister, who was an engineer for General Motors, um, introduced me to Car Talk when I was about 16. She said, you know, there's this show you've got to hear. It's these two guys. They're crazy, but they know a lot about cars. And we were just on a car ride. We were driving somewhere. And she put it on. And that was the first public radio show I listened to, and and I didn't stop listening after that. It's, so it started with con, with uh, car talk, but my listening certainly didn't end there. You also have a, a background in uh, theater as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Starting at Cast Tech. Um, shout out to Marilyn McCormick, who was my theater teacher uh, at Cast, and who really helped me begin to understand the power of my voice. And I think that early theater training at CAS went a long way to helping me host a show, honestly, helping me be present in the way you need to be present in hosting a show. Um, You know, this is journalism, but when you're trying to connect with people and you're trying to get people interested in a conversation, there's there's a a part of it that's also performance. Um, And I think that early training at CAS has stood me in good stack. Definitely, definitely part of that is performance. I mean, you balance so many things on 1A, uh, as we said, politics and policy and sports and pop culture. Uh, Growing up on Detroit's west side, you know, as you well know, this is a city that is so uh, rich culturally and artistically. How, How have the arts of Detroit, you know, shaped your voice and your, you know, directory of your career? Oh, man, it's been it's been everything. I grew up like you said, on the West Side. And my mom really thought it was important for us to experience all Detroit had to offer. So we would spend whole days in the library. She would take us downtown uh, to the library there and just be like, all right, (laughs) you've got the day, explore. She would do the same thing with the Detroit Institute of Arts, you know, way before it was renovated. We would pack lunches and we would go down for the day and I would get to spend a whole day in that museum. But it made me understand, you know, that Detroit, for its struggles, was also holding on to this deep, rich arts and cultural legacy. You know, we were playing Motown in our house all the time. That was the music I grew up with as a child. And, you know, driving past, um, I can't believe my, my mind is blanking on it right now, Hitsville, and and seeing that and knowing that something incredible um, was born there. It was just around me all the time. And it, it made me feel like not just that there were incredible things that happened in the city, but that I had a place, I had a place in it, you know, you know, being able to drive past these landmarks and say, this happened where I live. This happened where I am growing up. It, it belongs to me. And I think that sense of ownership and place has really just informed my life and and made me feel like look I belong in any space I want to be in and so if 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 there is a museum or if there is a conversation that I want to have you know I I can have that conversation I can be in that place um it it just opens so many doors for me that is a really beautiful way to put it. We are speaking with journalist, host, and Detroit native Jen White. She's the host of 1A. It's a national show about politics and policy and so much more that is going to begin airing here on WDET uh, Monday, October 6th at 11 a.m. Uh, Jen, so you began hosting 1A, uh, which is broadcast from Washington, D.C. in just this past July. Uh, taking the reins of a show that covers so much of what's happening nationally at such a remarkable and difficult time. What was it about having this platform 
and you know, the responsibility of helping guide so many difficult conversations we've had to have this year that drew you to hosting 1A? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um, especially since we were making the the move across country in a pandemic, there were times when I said, "Is this is this really a good plan?" But I think what it was is the fact that One A is a show where listeners are guiding so much of what we're talking about. That really attracted me to the show, and the fact that it's not you know the show I was doing in Chicago, which I loved, it was focused on the Chicago region. But 1A was a place where people across the country were engaged in a conversation together. I'm at a time when it feels like we're more often talking at one another than talking to one another. There was something really appealing about hosting a show where we could be this convener and we could say, we're going to talk about this thing. It's a difficult conversation, but we want you to be a part of this conversation. So tweet us send us a Facebook message, email us, leave us a voice message, and your voice is going to be a part of this conversation that we're going to have together. And I just think there aren't a lot of spaces right now where that kind of national convening is happening. Um, and so that that was the reason I, I said yes to the, jo- to the job, because I think it's really important. As we've been talking about, you know, the tone of the country is is hostile and in many ways fragile right now. Um, and you now being at the center of the political world in D.C., I'm thinking it must have to feel so tense there right now. Uh, how, as a journalist and also as that guide for listeners to having these difficult conversations, how do you balance facing the magnitude of what is happening right now uh, without being completely overwhelmed by it? Well, I'll be honest. One of the, the <laughs> strange, I don't want to call it a benefit of the pandemic. But because we are all working remotely, some of that is buffered right now, right? I'm not in, I'm not physically in some of the spaces where I think that tension would show up. So I'm able to focus just on the show and what we're doing on the show every day. So it's actually provided, I think, a, a smoother on-ramp in some ways, because I'm not having to manage that other piece of it. And I can just focus on the conversation we're having with listeners. But to that issue of the fragility in our nation right now, and I think that's very important, I try to really approach this work with a sense of humanity. And I think it's important, even when we disagree with people, to try to understand not just the what, but the why. Because, and again, not with the goal of convincing people to change their mind, but just to understand the why. Because I think understanding someone else's why can help us better define our why. And that's how I'm approaching these conversations every day, is trying to tease that out. And and as always, is one of the reasons I, I work in public radio, you know, just staying as far away from the hyperbole and the hype and just talking facts, you know, in these conversations and people are going to be passionate. And I think the passion is important. People are going to have strong opinions. And I think the strong opinions are important, but also teasing out that why and getting to some of the complexity behind these conversations and why they're so difficult. I think that's part of it too. Um, yeah. 
So uh, let's wrap up on perhaps a lighter note, okay? So here on, here on Culture Shift, we've been regularly asking our guests uh, for a song that's been helping them through these times oh. and that they'd like to share with our listeners. Uh, so Jen, what's your song? So this is a song that I turn to. Um, it's a song we played at my wedding in, in Detroit. Um, it's Lovely Day by Bill Withers. Um, anytime I just need a little boost, that song does it without a doubt. Mm, that is perfect. And and to let you know, it is a lovely day here in Detroit. It's sunny. <laughs> it's fall. So <laughs> perfect choice. Thank you so much, Jen. My pleasure. When I wake up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hurts my eyes. Something without warning love Bears heavy 